Whoa, 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 ladies and gentlemen, fellas, 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 welcome in to the Christmas Day Saturday two-game slate football. Santa Sal here, the most valuable analyst, the MVA belt on my shoulder. I hope you're having a lovely day. I hope you're having a lovely time. Let's not waste your time. Let's not waste any more time for you beautiful people. Let's get into this slate. Quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end with the best plays. Whether they're leverage plays or whether they're just stone-cold players, you got to slide in on this two-game slate. Let's do it. Let's not do it now, but let's do it right now. And let's start at the quarterback position where I'm not looking to get cute. I'm not looking to get cute. Like Monday night football was clear and obvious you play Justin Fields. The day after that, there was a couple of options on Tuesday night football, right? You had Matthew Stafford and the Rams. And how did we say to get different if you watched that video? You know, if you didn't, you're lucky because I'm going to fill you in right now. You got different by just on a two-game slate, overstacking one team. So what does that mean, overstacking one team? Now, on a Sunday normal slate, you might stack a quarterback, a wide receiver, or you get frisky and you stack a quarterback and two of his pass catchers, right? I'm saying three. I'm saying hit the trifecta with that quarterback. So let's talk about this first man. His name is Aaron freaking Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers, over the last month, your current MVP odds, odds on favorite for the MVP right now. Yes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to the people out there who don't like to see the back-to-back discount double check belts the back-to-back schmacks from Aaron Rodgers these seasons but he is coming off of yet another game where he had success three touchdowns almost 300 yards and he is averaging over his last four games and let's slide it up on the screen right now over his last four games over 27 DraftKings points per game 325 yards per game and over three touchdowns passing per game and of course of course of course zero interceptions because that's just the bad man that he is so Aaron Rodgers looks good don't care about the price tags we're gonna have so much money we're gonna have the ability to play whoever we want on this slate because it's a two-game slate with soft pricing because it's Christmas Day and DraftKings anytime that there is a holiday NBA on Christmas Thanksgiving football the Masters when they come around they're basically holidays for golf and themselves you get soft pricing DraftKings wants the casual person who's playing, and it might be you who doesn't play often, they want them to come in and be able to build any lineup they want with any players they want. So that's where you're going to get soft pricing. It's going to be easy to play these guys. Tuesday Night Football, Cooper Cup was $8,800, the cheapest we've seen him all season long. Why? They want everybody to have easy opportunities to make lineups, not get frustrated. Get them in, get them playing, and keep them. But we get the benefit from that. So I think playing Aaron Rodgers with a 27-team implied total, the highest on this two-game slate as a nine-point favorite at home is a fine thing to do, and I think you can full-on stack him. If you want to go with Devontae Adams, MVS, and the tight end, Deguire, go for it. If you want to stack him with Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, and MVS, go for it. Go for a full-on stack if you want to. I think that's one way to get different on a two-game slate. So we like Aaron Rodgers. The only other quarterback, I'm not playing around with separated shoulder, Baker Mayfield, if he's even able to clear for this game, and I'm definitely not playing around with their backups. I'm not playing around personally with Carson Wentz, who was able to throw the ball for one quarter he started to throw the ball in that Patriots game for a little bit and he had about four interceptable passes it was brutal right through 12 times the only other guy is Kyler Murray who we're getting coming off of a bad game two games where he returned from injury 59 and 61 rushing yards then he drops down to three rushing yards he gets pulled before the game's even over Colt McCoy finishes that game out because it was that bad losing to Detroit and this whole Kyler Murray experience doesn't go that well but now we get him on a two-game slate where he still has the mobile upside where he's going to come into this game right now as a slight as a slight favorite about a 25 team implied total on this one it looks good now do not underrate do not underrate what replacing DeAndre Hopkins in this offense with Antonio Wesley is doing Wesley is the replacement for Hopkins not Rondell Moore Rondell Moore is going to be a wide receiver four and continue to be that 
really not much upside there. We saw Antonio Wesley in this past game not look great. He is clearly not DeAndre Hopkins, but he's nowhere close to even a replacement level receiver for DeAndre Hopkins. He's well below a replacement level receiver, so that's hurting this air raid offense. Now, still on the entire season because of his hot start, Kyler Murray is still number two in accuracy rating, number one in yards per attempt. He's averaging 278 yards per game passing on 32 attempts per game. So all that's pretty nice. The Colts, though, we know they want to try and slow the game down. They'll be able to run all over this Cardinals defense. A Cardinals defense, by the way, that not only lost J.J. Watt earlier in the year and their run defense stinks, but now they lost one of their best cornerbacks, Robert Alfred. So that's a concern. So the Colts should be able to do whatever they want on this Cardinals team. And maybe that propels some sort of high scoring environment with a 50 game total so far. So I think Kyler Murray looks like a fine option. So I think just like Aaron Rodgers, there's ways to play Kyler Murray by just full on stacking him up. Stack him with A.J. Green, Kirk, and let's say Wesley. Stack him with Zach Ertz, Green and Kirk or Edmonds, Ertz and Green, right? I would go for triple stacks here to try and get different. And that's really it. I'm not trying to get cute. That's kind of where I'm at at the wide receiver position. And now we can start to get to the running back position. I think is where there's some solid leverages. So let's slide into the running back position. As we do, I'll let you know that this is the last week. This is the last week. Once the Monday night football game is over, this offer ends to get not only a free bet up to $100 through prize picks, but also my DFS course, which is the first time we're ever running a promotion. And the only time we ever will, they wanted to do some sort of promotion for the holiday season for Christmas right now if you're watching this on the eve or the day of you will get a free bet up to 100 to bet on these games right now why not and my dfs course which is 10 plus hours of dfs videos game theory how to actually play at a pro level and win money and not just lose your money and use your emotions but win some dollar ruskies and have fun doing it you can get that course for free if you use the code class like you went to school c-l-a-s-s there's a link down below for those two benefits it is ending the last day that you can do it is ending on monday when week 15 or week 16 ends in the NFL season. So now we slide to the running back position and it's very similar to quarterback. We don't have to get cute here, right? There's ways to get different at quarterback. Like we just said, you you triple stack, right? You don't play the crappy quarterbacks. You just triple stack and there's ways to get different, right? And there's ways to get different on the entire slate by leaving money on the table. You leave 700 bucks, 500 bucks on the table. You're probably different naturally already. And then Jonathan Taylor is not going to get you different. Cooper Cup was 90% owned on Tuesday night. Expect Jonathan Taylor to be close. But we do have Nick Chubb on this slate, who's coming off of a decent game, 91 uh, yards, 93 total yards on Monday Night Football. He ended up finding the end zone. So Nick Chubb's on the slate. You get some Packers guys on the slate. James Conner, the touchdown leader on the ground, is on the slate, right, until Jonathan Taylor took that over recently. So Taylor is the guy you just don't want to avoid, right? You're getting a decent price. I mean, it should be, you might look at the price and say, that's a decent price. I mean, it's generally speaking, it should be a lot more for a two-game slate, right? When there's less options and, and you have a stud like Taylor, the number one running back play on the entire year. He's coming off of a game where he just went for a 67-yard rushing touchdown. Yet again, he goes for 150-plus yards and a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor right now gets a matchup against Arizona's defense, and we'll put it on the screen. Arizona's run defense ranks 25th, and it's only getting worse every game that goes by without J.J. Watt. Their tackling unit ranks 27th, and it's only getting worse when even more and more backups like Robert Alford's backup is going to come in for this game. Then you consider that this is a high game environment with a decent total of 24 25 implied points for the Colts you consider that they only want to run the ball and run the ball even more and more every single game as they try and push towards not only the playoffs at this point but potentially can even uh, inch their way even closer to the division and the last 10 games for Jonathan Taylor he has scored a touchdown in every single one of those games he's averaging 30.1 DraftKings points per game 1.8 touchdowns per game and 23.3 opportunities per game i find it difficult to believe that as injuries pile up for opposing teams and when you're playing the outdoor elements in some of these games the colder weather emerges they don't just continue to give him the ball i'm not getting cute with it 
I want to play Jonathan Taylor just like I wanted to play Cooper Cup a lot, right? So I want to play Jonathan Taylor in this one. There's other ways to get different at running back. I believe that a lot of people are going to play Taylor. A lot of people are going to play Chubb, and a lot of people are going to play Devontae Adams, which leaves some of these other guys who are maybe a somewhat expensive, like an Aaron Jones in split backfields on this slate. You have Connor and Edmonds in a split backfield. It's going to leave them a little bit on their own, both running backs in this Packers backfield. Now, we said coming into last week for the Packers when everybody was just anointing uh, uh, A.J. Dillon as the running back one on this team, we said, hold, hold on, right? Aaron Jones is dealing with an MCL injury that he sustained a month ago, and he had the majority of the snaps by far in the first half. And then when the game got out of hand against the Bears, they ended up, you know, running on Sunday Night Football. They ended up running A.J. Dillon more to close it out. But Aaron Jones was operating in the first half, hence his two touchdowns, as the running back one. And what happened this past week? Well, he regained it, right? He played 63% of the snaps. He ended up seeing 15 opportunities in that game. He was the clear running back one yet again in that game. That wasn't insane usage. The touchdown in the receiving game got him in again, but that's just kind of his game. He's active in the red zone, just like Adams is. Aaron Jones is probably the second most active in the red zone for this Packers team. So I like Aaron Jones again, and I think if we can start to get lower ownership, like he comes in as like maybe the fourth highest on running back, even the third highest, but probably the fourth highest on running back, factoring in the price point, Jonathan Taylor, Chubb, uh, James Conner, Kareem Hunt coming back to the slate. The ownership balances out a little bit. I think Aaron Jones starts to look like a really solid play. A 27-point total as a 9-point favorite. He looks like uh, he's finally getting healthy out there. So I start to like Aaron Jones. Now, another play that I think is really appealing because of this 50-point implied total is Chase Edmonds. Edmonds returned last week for 45% of the snaps. He ran 14 routes, saw targets, saw six carries. The game blew out. They took some of the starters out at the end of the game. So it was just a really weird game to look at. But he at least came back and played damn near 50% of the snaps. Edmonds' season averages so far this year, if you, if you exclude the game where he got hurt after a couple plays 18 routes per game nearly five targets per game and 10.1 opportunities per game so he's seeing about 15 opportunities per game so at this current price tag for chase edmonds which is a very fair price tag you're gonna get about 15 opportunities per game for a guy who has pass catching upside with a nice total oh yeah they're down deandre hopkins so could use some help in the passing game even more and likely you're also going to get somewhat lower ownership on it and it was just a week and a half ago where cliff kingsbury said yeah i've been giving way too much work to james connor we have to pipe down his workload a little bit heading into the the postseason for an older running back who's dealt with a lot of injuries and conditions in his past. So yeah, I mean, there's a good opportunity that you see 15 touches, not even just opportunities, touches for Emmons in this type of a game environment, a matchup against the Colts who play kind of off coverage, which helps tight ends and, and running backs. So I think that Chase Emmons at this price tag looks like a very strong play, very nice leverage play. A player who is probably not, he's, he's like right neck and neck with Chase Emmons in terms of like very similar roles in their offense, very similar, maybe not styles of running backs, but talented and pass catching roles, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt is expected to return off the COVID list. We'll, we'll track this though, right? If he's not, just go to Edmonds. But Kareem Hunt, you're still getting a fair price point here. He's coming back. He's going to put a dent into what Nick Chubb's production could potentially be. And look, expect close to 50% of the snaps. Expect similar usage to what he's seen earlier this year, as you can see on the screen right now. He's seeing about 12 opportunities per game and 14 routes per game that lead to about three and a half targets, three to four targets per game. So just like Chase Edmonds, you're seeing about 15 opportunities per game for Kareem Hunt, an offensive line that should be getting even more guys back, Willis, from the COVID list. And this is going to be a team that wants to run first so expect 15 to 16 opportunities at low ownership so the Kareem Hunt and Chase Edmonds I don't know if I want to play them together necessarily but they're in split backfields with the pass catching work and it looks like a good situation on two game slate so if you wanted to go up to Jonathan Taylor avoid the expensive niche up and Per, for me, I think Aaron Jones looks good, but if you don't want to go there because you want to play, pay up for Adams and pay up for a, a tight end and a, and a quarterback, well then, I think there's nothing wrong with Chase Edmonds or Kareem Hunt, depending on how you're building out your lineup. I give the slight lean to Chase Edmonds. I think he's a little bit more versatile in the pass catching game, but either way, both these backs probably don't have a secure red zone role. Hunt might have a little bit more of a secure red zone role because of his size. It's kind of a coin flip there. Both of them look like the leverage plays on this slate, including Aaron Jones. Some people might say, hey, what about AJ Dillon? I think he's fine. I think that he's clearly not as good as Aaron Jones. A lot of people are trying to say that on the ground in, in between the tackles because of his size, sure, but because of what he allows their offense to do, Aaron Jones, when he's on the field, 
way better for the offense. You have Aaron Jones or Aaron Rodgers being able to check out of plays at the line of scrimmage. Plays that involve the running back in more of a pass-catching situation, which opens up more freedom and more confidence for Rodgers. Obviously, in the passing game, Aaron Jones is much more dynamic at this point in his career. Outside zone running, he's much more dynamic at hitting that outside zone. So I think that A.J. Dillon is still fine. He's obviously fast. He's shown that he has some hands. So he'll definitely be lower on, especially since it's now the week where, oh, now A.J. Dillon didn't get the majority of the touches and saw less than 50% of the snaps, playing 37% of the snaps last week. So those are kind of the five running backs I'm honing in on, Taylor being the, the clear and obvious one, and the following three, or following four. I don't know if I'm going to get to three running backs. Usually try and lean wide receiver in the flex. It usually depends on your options, though. This slate, not as many great wide receiver options in the mid-range. And now we can transition to wide receiver. If you want my projections, ownership for how much the field is going to own a player, which is important to know because if they're going to own this guy way too much, well, go to somebody else who looks pretty similar to him at lower ownership because then you pass more people when you win. Ownership and projections are the biggest thing. If you know how to leverage those, you're ready to roll. If you need a lineup optimizer, you want the Discord access, I'm in the Discord, chilling out, relaxing, maxing, all cool. Come on in. Even more tools than just that on Patreon. There's a link down below to check it out. No better time than the holiday season. No better time than Christmas. Happy holidays out there. So let's start wide receiver up top with Devontae Adams. And there's nobody who comes close to him on the slate. I mean, you have a run first offense in the Browns, in the Colts, who don't have like true alphas like Jarvis Landry, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Michael Pittman. Not like true alphas, not elite receivers. Solid dudes, but not elite. And then you get no DeAndre Hopkins for the Cardinals. Now they still have some good options. AJ Green's been producing Christian Kirk, but there's nobody along the lines of Adams. And Adams was getting double teamed not the entire game, half the game last week by the Ravens, like literally two cornerbacks. I haven't seen this shit since Calvin Johnson. I literally have. That bad secondary of the Ravens just said, you're just not going to beat us. And who beats them? Uh, 98 yards for MVS. They start dinking and diamond everywhere. Adams himself still goes for over 16 DraftKings points, finds the end zone, right? So I think Adams is completely fine. He's now up to the highest target share in the NFL at 32.5%. His matchup again in the secondary, I don't think you're going to see another double team, but you could. Even then, he can still break this, especially in the red zone where double teams, they somewhat matter if you put a guy on the inside and outside, but if you're not going to put a guy on the inside and outside, you're just going to stack it. It's still what his release is off the line of scrimmage, and usually it's really good. But 10.7 targets per game for Adam, it clearly looks good. Again, it's a two-game slate. You don't have to get cute. Like, if Adams has a bad game and goes for 18, he could still be the highest scoring wide receiver on the slate by five points, right? That, that's what these types of two-game slates offer you. So the floors of what Jonathan Taylor and Adams are going to give you, I get their price points are expensive. We have cheap tight ends. We have cheap receivers who are going to be in play, and we have cheap right now defense is of course the punt if you're asking me to choose between jonathan taylor and adams i'm gonna go jonathan taylor the matchup against the colts is just or the matchup against the cardinals is just unreal right now and running back secure touches are a little bit better there so if you're asking me to choose one i'll go taylor i personally am going to try and be playing both of these dudes so as i was in the editing just now of post it got news that mvs is now on the covid list which means that you're going to see probably a mixture of juan winfrey who played on thursday night a while back when the packers had no receivers adams was even out mvs lazard and he played decent, but I mean, he was just on the outside. He'll probably be on the outside with St. Brown, Inquinemia St. Brown, if he's able to return. So don't expect Lazard. People are going to say Lazard is now the wide receiver too. I mean, in terms of Rodgers' confidence in him, sure. But I think you're probably just going to see those guys filter in on the outside. Lazard stay in his role in the slot. More usage for the tight ends to an extent. More usage for the running backs out of the backfield. MVS being out, nobody in this Packers offense can replace him. He's a downfield burner. Lazard is not replacing that. Jawan Winfrey, St. Brown has maybe the best option, but none of them are going to replace that. So it's gonna just going to be altering just what they do here. I think they use the tight ends more and the running backs more. So the part that I was going to talk about MVS next, it's just going to be cut now. So now we're in the post-editing here, trying to fill you in with all the information you could possibly have. So that's just kind of where I think the Packers just change it around. Lazard's still in the slot. No insane role change. Outside Adams, other outside Winfrey and St. Brown, if he's able to be healthy, he was missed the last game coming in doubtful. So we'll have to track that status. More usage for the running backs 
in tight ends. Now let's move to the next player we want to talk about. Outside of Devontae Adams, you can slide over to AJ Green. And let's slide over to the Cardinals receivers in general. AJ Green is going to be the one who's kind of quietly, maybe less talked about. He played 56 snaps last week. He ran 36 routes and he saw eight targets scoring 10.4 fantasy points. He has been good. This is now the last two games without Hopkins when Hopkins left early and was out or was limited and was out. 36 routes per game, nine targets per game, and 114 air yards per game. AJ Green has been playing good. And obviously, Kyler trusts him way more than Antonio Wesley. He's right now neck and neck for Christian Kirk as like the 1A, 1B. But since Kirk got the touchdown last game and a little bit more production, I think that more people are going to go to Christian Kirk, even though AJ Green is standing there with a very good red zone role and a very good role overall in this offense. I think both are solid, but I think you're going to get less ownership on AJ Green. And at his current price tag, I'm going to prefer AJ Green because of that. Now, Christian Kirk is clearly in play. I mean, he's at 100 plus air yards in back to back games for the first time this year with 136 air yards week 14. And then this past week, 105 air yards. And that's in a game where Kyler kind of gets pulled in the fourth quarter, right? He ended up running 52 routes in a game. They trail 12 targets and 94 yards and a touchdown. Kirk is fine, right? The air yards, nice to see the upside there. Kirk is completely fine. I would just expect Christian Kirk to potentially have the highest ownership on the slate at the wide receiver position. I would like to say it's Adams, but I think Taylor will pull some of that away. So just understand when you're starting to build these lineups out that Christian Kirk is going to be, if not the highest, the second highest on wide receiver, which is why, again, I kind of pivot to AJ Green if you're choosing me to pick, if you're telling me to choose to pick one in a GPP. Again, both are fine. Both are clearly like top five options, the wide receiver position on this slate. Now, the next guys we can talk about is the guys in Cleveland who I think are actually interesting. Uh, Jarvis Landry missed week 15 with COVID. Assuming that he returns, he's been operating on the outside, not just in a slot, but when they go into two tight end sets, which they do a lot here, especially if they get Hooper back, but even if not, Harrison Bryant and Njoku, they do it a lot. Njoku himself just played 100% of the snaps last week on Monday Night Football. If they go to two wide receiver sets, that helps Landry. His snaps have been going from 65% when he was only really playing out of the slot to now 85% recently, which instead of running 20 routes is allowing him to run 30 routes, right? And over his last three games, it's allowing him to stay on the field and see more volume. 26 targets over the last three games. He's gone for 15 receptions, over a buck, 75 yards, two touchdowns, and 14 fantasy points in each of his last three games, at least 14 fantasy points. So this new role for Landry of, okay, in three wide receiver sets, he's in the slot, but now two wide receiver sets, instead of coming off the field to the sideline, he's going to the outside and staying on the field. It's very interesting. They're putting him in the backfield sometimes. He's operating out of there a little bit in some wildcat format, scored a touchdown a couple weeks back on that. So I think Landry is definitely in play. I would prefer the Cardinals guys because of just more volume in that offense, better game environment. But I would prefer, uh, or I do prefer Landry as the top receiver from Cleveland, not for the reasons that are obvious. Oh, we know Jarvis Landry's name, but because of that specific role change to now being also in on two wide receiver sets. The only other guy, assuming Landry is in, because if Landry is in, you're going to see probably some mixture of Rashad Higgins and Anthony Schwartz in on three wide receiver sets. Otherwise, it's just Landry. And the other guy from Cleveland who I like, Donovan Peoples-Jones on the outside. Now, the one problem with Donovan Peoples-Jones is he's seeing a lot more volume lately. He's this bigger, faster hybrid receiver out of Michigan who was never really used properly there, but he's getting a lot of usage. 93% of the snaps last week saw eight targets. He's now separating as the true, like the only dude who looks like him on this team. Jamarcus Bradley kind of looks like him on the Browns, but he's really far down the depth chart at this point, probably on the practice squad. He's like the only dude who's actually a big go win on the outside type of wide receiver. Not this guy who's a burner, an undersized Deshaun Jackson burner, or a slot type of receiver like a Landry's build. So now he has 25 targets over his last five games. So he's starting to get involved. The one concern you have, though, is if Baker comes back in, separated shoulder, inability to ever really hit outside throws, hence why Odell is no longer there. So that's your one concern with Donovan Peoples-Jones. But if Landry returns this week and in just in general with Christian Kirk and AJ Green and Adams on the slate, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones probably comes in lower own for a fair price tag. Just to know that those are some major concerns, that his biggest attribute is going to win downfield, whereas all the quarterbacks he could potentially be working with this weekend, whether it's Baker, whether it's Nick Mullins, whether it's Case Keenum, whoever's out there, they really struggle to hit deep outside throws. The final two receivers that I can talk about, we 
kind of just talk about Indy's receiving core in general. Michael Pittman got ejected last week. Before that, the volume was coming up. He saw 28 targets over his previous four games after kind of a midseason slump on volume because they were just running nonstop. Five rushing touchdown game for Jonathan Taylor, right? Or four rushing and one in the receiving department. So he's averaged 11 points per game over these last three games. I've said it all season long. Pittman is good for this team. They don't throw a lot. He's averaging seven targets, seven and a half targets per game on a 25% target share. Normally a 25% target share is like nine, eight, eight and a half targets per game, right? So they're obviously more of a run first team we know that with Jonathan Taylor but Pittman is not like this traditional insane alpha I think the dude's talented and I think since he got ejected last week and just in general there's some other guys in the slate maybe he goes a little bit underappreciated like Christian Kirk is going to soak up all that ownership but I do think Pittman in this matchup where I the secondary the pass rush all this stuff is banged up right now for the Cardinals he could be sneaky so if you come into this two game slate with Michael Pittman pushing only like 25% ownership for a guy who can potentially see in seven to eight target game like he has over the last two full games he's played that starts to look more appealing which is where I'd say reference to Patreon projections and ownership as lock approaches to see exactly where we're at on that so potential leverage plays we've talked about so far I think that AJ Green is definitely going to be leveraged off, off of his own teammate Michael Pittman to an extent will be lower on because of that Christian Kirk stuff I think Landry will soak up the proper ownership I still like him same thing for Adams but the leverage plays I'm looking at are probably Pittman to an extent definitely AJ Green and probably to a lesser extent Donovan Peoples-Jones at the wide receiver position the last guys that I'll talk about are these in these other indie guys like Zach Pascal I'm just not buying it the dude has four catches over the last month he's on the field more so because he's a good all-around receiver he is fantastic at run blocking and chipping guys on the end right but that doesn't really help your overall game when you don't have many other skills overall like relative to most receivers so that's the concern Ashton Doolin he's only ran eight total routes over the last month he saw more snaps last week because my Pittman got ejected, but he didn't run any routes. And then the last one is T.Y. Hilton. Look, I'm not buying it. Since he returned from injury, he hasn't seen 30 receiving yards in a game. He's undersized, so he doesn't stay on the field. That's why Pascal stays on the field. That's why Doolin was in over T.Y. Hilton. He's older. He's slower. He's more injury prone, but he's undersized. So when they need a wide receiver to go out there and block on the edges, he's just getting manhandled by 200-pound cornerbacks when he's 180 pounds. So that's the concern with T.Y. Hilton. He's just not even staying on the field at this point. He only played 29% of the snaps last week when they were running the ball nonstop because he's undersized, not because of an injury. So that's your concern there. Rondell Moore, I know some people might ask about Rondell Moore, Antonio Wesley, these types guys uh, Wesley I mean he won't be owned he's gonna be cheap I don't think he's that talented I think he's gonna continue to run routes he ran 44 routes on seven targets last week but in five games without Hopkins for Antonio Wesley hasn't topped 62 air yards so when he's getting targets they're not downfield they're like five yard targets right he has never topped more than eight points in a game and he has never and he's averaging three targets per game so Wesley gets there because he's a little bit cheaper if he finds the end zone now he's running a lot of routes so the opportunity will be out there for him but it's similar to like Zach Pascal oh Pascal's gonna run 20 25 routes oh Wesley will run 30 routes if these dudes aren't talented and they're not getting downfield targets like an AJ Green like a Zach Ertz like a Christian Kirk your only upside is if he luck boxes his way to a touchdown so if you want to play him that's what you're kind of hoping for and all I have to say about Rondell Moore is we were right he's a wide receiver four he's behind Antonio Wesley he's not DeAndre Hopkins backup he's Christian Kirk's backup and Christian Kirk is healthy and thriving he is going to be a backup wide receiver he saw negative 11 air yards last week he's had six catches over the last two games for a total of what 15 yards this is just a basically He's being used as a guy who just catches screen passes. And unless he breaks one of those for a touchdown, it's pointless to even consider playing Rondell Moore, in my opinion. And now we can close up shop as a subscribe button pops up, by the way. I appreciate that. Now, hopefully COVID hasn't wrecked this slate. And if so, maybe I've changed something in the editing. If it has by now, we probably should have adjusted at the front of this. I'm recording this earlier in the week because I got to travel for Christmas. But fingers crossed it's just two games that don't get wrecked since one team's already been wrecked here. So the tight end position... 
there's three dudes I'm looking at. The one that is the most obvious is Zach Ertz. I mean, since joining Arizona, and now some of these games haven't been with Kyler Murray, but they've been with the rest of this team and the coaching staff and how they're executing Zach Ertz into the offense. Since joining, he's played seven games, right? He joined on Thursday Night Football against the Packers. The game where the Packers got the interception, Rasheel Douglas at the end of the game. He's running 27 and a half routes per game for a tight end, which is up there in like the top five category. 6.3 targets per game up there in the top five category, over 80% of the snaps, and he's seen seven red zone targets, a red zone target per game. His role has been elite. Not only is he running a ton of routes, he's seeing downfield usage. He went over 100 air yards in last week's game alone with only being out there for three quarters, his quarterback, Mr. Kyler Murray. So Zach Ertz is going to be the obvious play that people go to because the rest of the tight ends, it's like Jack Doyle and Mo Ali Cox, which one of them scores a touchdown is like, if you do anything there, right? Which one of them gets the goal line touchdown? Uh, it's Mercedes Lewis, mainly a run blocker, sees a couple of play action passes a game at best. And Joshua Deguire, the second year rookie off of a torn ACL, who, yeah, I mean, he's decent for the Packers. He's scoring like six fantasy points a game since Tony Young's been out, so that's not bad. But if you're talking about like where the upside comes in for like, you know, like a six catch 80 yard in a touchdown game, yeah, Zach Hurts is what you're staring at. And a lot of people will know that. And I'm not really going to get away from it. I think that Zach Hurts looks good. I'm going to be rotating through three tight ends. The second tight end is David Njoku. Oh, but Sal, David Njoku stunk the other day. Look, in the video we talked about, we said he was a good play. In the live stream, when we got the final ownership numbers, there is no way in hell in a two-game slate on Monday Night Football, you should have played a 60% on David Njoku. When Cole Komet and, and, and Foster Moreau and these other guys who are projecting out for similar points at half the ownership are on the slate. And oh yeah, Foster Moreau scored more, more points. And oh yeah, Cole, Cole Komet scored much more points. It doesn't come down to who you think is the best play because of what their projections are in DFS GPPs. And hopefully if you don't watch content often in this space, this will help you. It comes down to what is not only their projection, but what is their ownership. If a guy is only projecting out for one more point, uh, but he's double the ownership as another guy at his position, it's not worth playing that dude, right? Because then you hope that the other guy outscores him the 50% of the time it happens, and you're jumping so many more people. That's why we banked, because we were playing Cole Komet on Monday Night Football. That's how you play GPPs. That's why the DFS course, if you use the code CLASS for free, you get it instead of paying 100 bucks on prize picks. That's why that DFS course is so damn important, because it teaches you how to get away from your emotions and actually just recognize that this is a puzzle. This is a puzzle in a game you're playing. You're playing chess. You're not trying to play use your emotions, right? You're just playing chess, you're doing the moves, and you're collecting the money over the long term. So David and Joker played 100% of the snaps last week running 29 routes and seeing five targets with a terrible Nick Mullins in right at quarterback and now this week nobody's going to want to play him because Austin Hooper's probably going to return even though his quarterback will probably return he'll continue maybe not to play 100% of the snaps but his snaps were increasing before this week right before he ended up missing the previous game with COVID his snaps were increasing to play 60% of the snaps and running 20 routes so Njoku's going to sit out there as still a specimen as still a guy who's going to run 20 to 25 routes with Baker Mayfield likely back and no ownership no ownership going to be on him this week so I'm expecting a still solid role for Njoku everything to be the same when everybody just loved him the week before only thing that changes is Hooper comes back so the routes go from instead of running 30 to 20 the targets go from five to five right they probably can still stay at five on 20 routes so I like that for him Harrison Bryan in his return only ran eight routes off of the ankle sprain could have been a limited type of a thing who knows but I think that Njoku is a sneaky play if you didn't want to play Zach Ertz the only other guys if you're punting if you're punting in these Aaron Rodgers full-on game stacks just put Josiah Deguire in there Um, he basically led the team last week with 35 snaps he has now seen 14 targets in four games since Robert Tonyan has gotten hurt averaging 6.8 fantasy points per game on 21 routes per game during that time. He is an athletic tight end who definitely has, I mean, ability after the catch. We've seen it. He's athletic. He's able to move. He's nimble. He could break tackles. And look, if you're running 21 routes per game on a two-game slate attached to Aaron Rodgers at a cheap price point with a 27-point implied total, that is definitely worth looking at. I'm probably only putting him in lineups where I want to go with these full-on Aaron Rodgers stacks, but he's in there. He's in there as a cheap punt play at the tight end position. It's Zach Ertz. It's Deguaya. 
It's uh, Mr. David Njoku. And those are the three tight ends I'm looking at. Really depends on the rest of your lineup. Who's your quarterback? Are you stacking the tight end with them? Okay. How much money are you looking to leave on the table? Like if you, if right now you have the chalkiest lineup and you're leaving no money on the table, well, yeah, I'd rather probably go down off of Zach Ertz to Njoku or Njoku to DeGuire and leave like $1,000 on the table. So thank you for tuning in today. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you beautiful people. If you're watching this on the holiday, if you're watching it on the eve, if you're watching it at whatever point it's going to release on Thursday. And thank you for being here throughout this holiday season, this holiday week with me. Sunday Slate is going to start on Sunday. We got content out for that. Some wacky stuff going on in the news front, but content is out for that. It releases on Friday. It might already be out, so check that one out. Not going to have a live stream this week. Might go live on TikTok to show you the family, answer some questions here or there, so be sure to watch that out for that. And at the end of the day, you all rock. Anything that you want to know about the free course, the free battle to $100, getting it on Patreon for all the tools, it's all in the description below. You rock. Peace out, gang, and I'll see you all when I see you. I'll see you all in the next one. From the MVA, the most valuable analyst to you beautiful people. Enjoy your holiday season. Oh,